0: Been a little while here, but glad to be back. We've done the mock-off season parts one and two. If for some reason you haven't listened to that yet, highly recommend We wanted to let those marinate with over five hours of content for a couple of days here. But it's time first to, to catch up uh, on a little news here. Then we got to do finish out uh, our off-season previews. But let's start uh, with the biggest news so far. Mavericks re-engaging, sir. The, the Lakers are re-engaging per Woj and Ramona Shelburne. With the Spurs, the Spurs are adamant that they are not in a rush to make a deal, but probably the biggest news to come out of that report is that it is assumed that if the Lakers can get Kawhi Leonard, that LeBron James will go to Los Angeles. And so I think we should discuss that first, and then, of course, the implications for a potential Kawhi trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, LeBron James, we both still picked him as the best player in the world, the last time we did that, which was in like February, I don't remember exactly when that was. And I mean, him going to the Lakers would be massive, uh, assuming it comes with at least one other guy going there. And it could be even more than that of max caliber talent in in that range. And that would be big also for how it could impact other markets, other teams, Cleveland most notably. And also, I mean, this was something we dealt with in the mock-off season, LeBron going especially there, but also to a point to the Sixers, has to be scary for the Cavs, too, because there he's going without compensation. Remember that the picks Cleveland got in the what became a sign-in trade for LeBron, you know, those ended up, they weren't the centerpieces of the, you know, that wasn't what got them Kyrie Irving or anything like that, but they were still useful. I think one of those was in the Mozgov trade, a couple other things, and so losing him without any without any compensation would be tough.
0: Yeah, that is difficult, and the Lakers obviously are It seems like more and more, you know, we did have him going to the mock-off season in Houston. I don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, it took just an amazing offer. And I felt at the time with the Lakers not able to get Kawhi Leonard in our parlance and with Paul George staying in Oklahoma City for some reason, which, you know, that seems to be uh, the report was that there's pessimism in LeBron's camp that PG could leave Oklahoma City. Well, then it didn't make sense for LeBron to go to the Lakers. If Kawhi were there, then maybe it would be different. And that Houston offer, they made a huge offer to Cleveland. So I don't think that's going to happen in real life. It does create now a ton of pressure, which Magic Johnson, ironically enough, added to by saying, if we don't get a big free agent in the next two summers, I'll step down. And so the Spurs are in some ways in an enviable position here, as enviable as you can be when you basically have lost again. It does seem like now that they are engaging, at least to some extent, But we talked a lot about why Kawhi's trade value maybe wouldn't be as high, the fact that he would end up in Los Angeles, the fact that he has these injury concerns, only one year left on the contract, and it seems like Boston has been very conservative in their offers. Jalen Braun not on the table, according to Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. So now it does seem that the Lakers, of course, cannot create the best package compared to if I think either the Sixers or that who have been really not discussed in this at all, interestingly, or the Celtics. But now the Lakers have this time crunch. LeBron supposedly, according to that Woj article, doesn't want to drag this out. He wants to decide pretty quickly. In theory, he would like to decide before tomorrow when he has to decide to opt out. Because once he, if he opts out, then that takes away a lot of just opt-in and trade scenarios for him so it'd be great for him if the Lakers could get this done by tomorrow and then he could feel better about opting out meanwhile the Spurs do maybe have some desire to do a deal because yeah the Lakers have a lot of pressure to entice LeBron to come by getting Kawhi but you have to wonder now if the time passes and if the Lakers can't get LeBron quickly enough If the Lakers just say, hey, you know, we can get Kawhi in the summer of 2019, now we're not going to throw in the kitchen sink of assets, and therefore the Spurs' best chance to get something may have passed. So it does seem like there's some impetus on both sides to get a deal. Certainly the Spurs will be trying to spin it as, well, Lakers, we've got all the time in the world. Lakers, you guys have to spend all of this assets now because otherwise your chance of getting lebron will be gone but if the lakers chance of getting lebron is gone then the lakers offer gets worse later so there's reasons to think although the spurs can try to play it as all the pressure is on the lakers you know the lakers offer isn't going to get better once they don't get
1: lebron right and i talked about this a little bit with rob mahoney on real jam radio we were kind of going through some of these the The concept of like a, have referred to it as an Orlando situation where like a team just makes an offer that doesn't make much sense because they want that player for the short term. And one of the problems for San Antonio in this climate is that the asset heavy teams happen to also have good presence and futures like the Celtics are too good to gamble on Kawhi at this point. And you can make an argument similarly about the Sixers because the Sixers assets are strong. That would be used to their cap space, and if Kawhi is not giving them any indications that he's going to go there long term, then you're kind of doing it on faith, and so there are certainly other teams, especially now that the draft is done, that are probably ironed out as well, I mean, they could hope for somebody to just make that offer like I had thought of, you know, that limited reporting that was out there about Sacramento the number two pick, that's now, of course, off the table, so... I wonder, you know, where those other offers could materialize from. I certainly believe there are some, but if they're not strong enough and if those teams are treating it more as a rental than anything else, then it can be really challenging. And yeah, I as you kind of said with the structural parts of this, I am more confident that a deal could happen, not that it will, but that it you know, I would say the the odds of that have gone up for me thinking about the pressure. And there's this interesting dynamic with with LeBron, who knows this situation better than almost anybody having been in it before where you do want to make sure that your preferences are heard, but you also don't want to put so much pressure on the Lakers that they end up giving up too much in the trade to make your team eventually worse because some of the pieces that they would give up in a Spurs trade might end up being not Lakers in some of the LeBron-Kawhi hypotheticals, but maybe they could be on other teams to add in more talent as opposed to just being a part of the Kawhi price.
0: Yeah, and certainly you would hope that as LeBron, I mean, this is something you would think is that are you going to get a commitment from the Lakers that they're going to just spend all these young assets to get better immediately? If that's your plan, I mean, and we've certainly seen LeBron almost strip mine these franchises while he's been there, Miami and then Cleveland. I mean, David Griffin traded seven first round picks in an effort to get better over the time that LeBron was there, and you know, LeBron James is worth it, and he's that good. How long? How much longer he'll be that good? is a little bit of a question mark as well. And you could even see him maybe at the end going back to Cleveland just to, to end his career. But talking a little bit more about specific negotiations here, there' a report that the Lakers, I think it was from Woj again, that are willing to include Ingram and in a future first so far, and that the, yeah, this was from Woj, and that the Spurs are seeking a, quote, more complete haul of, of their assets and... The, also that the Spurs are valuing Kawhi as much higher than in the Paul George and Kyrie Irving trades that happened last year and I don't know that that's realistic w- with respect to Irving because Irving had two years left on his deal and Kawhi had one. Kawhi clearly a far better player than either of those guys when healthy but then there's also the health component of it as well and the fact that he really has a specific free agent destination you only get one year to sell him if you're not the Lakers. So, and then Ramona pushing back a little bit. This is basically almost certainly just spin from the Lakers to not piss off Ingram too much where they just, she said, oh, well, the conversations have conceptually included Ingram, but, you know, they're not necessarily willing to include him. yet." it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, there's no, almost no way this trade happens unless Brandon Ings a part of this. Do you agree with that?
1: Ingram or Ball. Well, I the mean, Spurs and supposedly it sounds like are not the Lakers... interested in Ball.
0: Uh with
1: Yeah. Well theoretically they could find another team that was and you know they could make it in that way. But if if the Spurs are interested in Ingram, then that makes it a whole hell of a lot easier. Would you
0: be more interested in Ball or Ingram just to based forget the off the court stuff just based on uh where they are as players.
1: I would rather have Lonzo Ball just because he does a lot of other things well and so it's really about whether the jump shot comes in or not. And with Ingram I have this this issue with a lot of these forwards that people like it's it's similar to the Jason Tatum thing and it's just that I have trouble sliding those guys if they can't be like a real key offensive player or you know Tatum's been a, to me a better defender than Ingram overall and it they can be successful but it's hard for me to see them as like a number one a number one player on a team and so with Lonzo you can kind of fit that in but Ingram could certainly end up being a better player I'm not for closing on that possibility I'd rather have Lonzo
0: Yeah I'd probably rather have Ingram even if I believe that ball, I don't see just enough upside for ball just due to his inability to create his own offense, the shooting being a question mark at best as of this point. I think Lonzo has a higher median outcome. I think he has a higher floor than Ingram even still, but that Ingram does have just a, a lot of upside with his length and the ability he showed to get to the basket. And certainly it's important to remember where these guys are in the hierarchy. And obviously there are many Lakers fans who were critical of our ranking them so low on our young cores under 25, but you know, uh, I, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is a much better prospect than anyone on the Lakers right now. Uh, that Celtics Kings pick that they own, that's top one protected. That might even be a better asset than anyone on the Lakers right now, uh, So that's maybe where more of the complete haul aspect comes from. And so we'll just go through the Lakers assets here. They've got all their future first round picks going forward. How value if, if, but if those get traded, they're not particularly valuable. I I might actually be very interested in like getting like a 2024 first rounder from the Lakers at this point, more than one from this year although the protections over that of course would have to be haggled upon uh because presumably if they get Kawhi then they're getting LeBron and they're going to be real good for the next few years and those draft picks aren't worth that much then you've got Josh Hart second this will be his second year showed a lot of promise uh, as a three and d guy last year i think he, he's someone who has the potential to be a, a decent starting shooting guard eventually Kyle Kuzma probably a little bit overrated right now we'll see how his defense comes along you know as a scoring power forward you know there are a lot of those guys available is that a starter is that a bench player uh, can you win with a power forward like that who's not really that great of a defensive player at the highest levels That's a, but certainly a good asset obviously and, and a guy who can score has a really nice skill level you know someone that you want on your team questionable whether he's like a future high end starter or not we'll see he's already 22 as well Some talk that Julius Randle could be involved in a sign-and-trade. I don't know if he wants to go to San Antonio. He certainly would have to be paid quite handsomely there.
1: Can I talk about that for a second? People love to throw in signed-and-traded guys as not the principal in a deal, and it's just so hard to to manage because you have a bunch of other veto players in the process, the most notable one being that player. Because if Julius Randle wants to do anything else, all he can just say is no— and the, him and that other team, in this case, OB San Antonio, have to agree on price. He's not going to take a discount to join the Spurs in all likelihood. He's not going to go in for that number. So people do that like there's been some with the the Celtics, like, oh, they can just sign and trade Marcus Smart to the Celtics. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, to the Spurs. Probably not. I mean, it, there is a chance that it can work. And so it's not like that, oh, never do it because it's impossible. It's just, un, it's so unlikely that it's not really that serious of a thing. There are certain circumstances. And with, With Randall, what makes it different is he might even have the leverage to try to scuttle anything like that because maybe they would have to renounce him. And as an unrestricted free agent, he would have a lot more flexibility to determine his own future.
0: Although he may not have other offers out there that would be as big as what he could get in this sign and trade. And then they also have other guys, too, that they could go to that they have full bird rights on that could maybe be a part of the deal if salary matching were needed, like a You know, more of a Keith Bogans type of, hey, we're just re-signing you in the sign-and-trade for salary filler. Channing Fry, they have full bird rights on him. Uh, If the Spurs are interested in KCP, that could be an option as well. Though, again, we'll see how much space is left. If it's just LeBron and Kawhi, no Paul George, it's likely that they would probably still have some space left. Now, the other component that's being talked about here is the component of bad salary. Seems very unlikely that the Lakers could throw in enough to also get off a of Luol Deng in this transaction. Maybe that's how the kitchen sink ends up getting thrown in. Is is all right? You're going to take Luol Deng too, you know, and, and we'll give you Kuzma and Hart and Ingram and a first rounder, but we're we're getting off a of Luol Deng. Or there's also talk that San Antonio might want the Lakers to take on bad salary. That doesn't seem particularly. Useful to me. Who would that be on San Antonio? Maybe Paul Gasol. Gasol making sixteen point eight million for 2018-19 and then has a, a six point seven million dollar guarantee the following year. Patty Mills could be another guy like that, but Mills actually could help the Lakers as well. Uh, also worth noting, by the way, that Danny Green has opted in to his player option for 10 million for next year he's another guy who if he's in the trade maybe he could help the lakers for next year i think he would actually be a great fit there that's something else to consider too and we'll see whether the spurs want to just compete next year or not whether they really tear it down i think you know trying to move aldridge would be a very good idea if they move on from leonard uh, etc but you know i don't know if greg popovich wants to coach a crappy team for the last two years of his career he probably wants to You know, keep Aldridge around and win 45 or 50 games the next couple of years, which he probably deserves as long as he's stuck around. So there are a lot of permutations here. I think if Dang were to be involved, maybe as a way to, and the Lakers would feel better giving up assets, if Dang is involved and you can also get back like a Danny Green as well as someone who expires this year but also can help you this year that could be a permutation but it does seem like i I think there is a deal to be made here i'm optimistic and i i would if Kawhi and lebron go to la that would be awesome like i would love to see that uh i i just love seeing the best possible basketball teams put together and seeing like real clashes of the titans a team another team that's really going to rival the warriors i mean that first lakers at warriors game would just be an absolute shit show even the regular season so i, I hope that that happens uh and we'll see I've, I, let me ask you this from the lakers perspective and would you just be willing to throw in everything for for Kawhi? everything that you you basically can trade maybe maybe lonzo is left out of that but you know a first rounder uh, that type of the type of deal that i was talking about are you willing to go that far at this point if it means you get lebron james
1: I would if it means that he's the final piece, meaning the third for me, not if he's the second. So if it's just LeBron and Kawhi, because then they probably wouldn't have the cap space to get in somebody, to bring in somebody else. But if it's LeBron and Paul George.
0: I mean, they could always stretch dang Right. well. I mean, that's even
1: LeBron. Right. That's what what, what I'm saying, though, is I would not give up everything if it also, like, if it precludes Paul George, if you can still get somebody yeah. else, then yeah. Or absolutely. even, I
0: mean, LeBron would be $35 million and Kawhi is twenty this year. So uh, throw in another $10 million or so in roster holds, and you've still got a, a fair amount of money to fill out around those guys in what will be, you know, a, a tough market for unrestricted veteran free agents. You know, I think you can build a pretty damn good team. And, and
1: it's just, you know, okay. Yeah. Well, or... Or they could trade for guys, and then they would have their bird rights if they could find the right players. Yeah,
0: and, and we know that the Lakers have been banking money a lot for these years. They, uh, of all teams, uh, aren't going to have an issue going into the tax. Maybe the Knicks would be the only one who would have a, less of a problem there. So, I mean, I, I think if you have to, you definitely negotiate. But, I mean, th- these young guys on the Lakers aren't that great to me. I mean, th- like, they could d- develop into, like, maybe lower-end all-star players eventually. But it's and, and, okay, yeah, fine, you know what? Maybe if we do this, we're not favored to beat the Warriors. But you got LeBron James and Kawhi. Leonard. I mean, now uh, Kawhi's health obviously is another thing. But uh, and I would also be interested to know how long of a contract LeBron is planning on signing. Uh, you know, I don't know if I want to do this if he's going to sign like a one plus one. But if you get LeBron for two years, especially at this point, you can get Kawhi even if it's not Paul George. I mean, there are so many other free agents on the market that can help you, and you're right back. You know, at at a minimum, top three in the west who knows maybe you could even try to like get chris paul to come at, at that point uh that seems like a long shot but might as well give it a shot uh i think you you have to do it and you know even if it's a future first rounder and ingram and kuzma and hart i mean the, those guys ultimately are nice players they're players who might be able to get you into the lower end of the playoff picture if everything works out but i mean come on it's lebron james it's quite leonard like just do it. Now, I'm not saying you don't negotiate, but if it really comes down to that, I think you have to. And, you know, that's probably what the Spurs are thinking as well here.
1: Let's do some, or unless you have more to say, let's do some other news. I think the place we could start with this is the news that the NBA announced Commissioner Silver's contract has been extended through 2023-24. I believe, but I'm not 100% sure that 23-24 happens to be the same year the C- this iteration of the CBA well, expires. Well, and perhaps even so more one-
0: importantly from the owner's standpoint, the TV contract. That he will now be there to negotiate Mm. the next big TV contract, which some I'm not sure that there's a ton to support this yet predict might actually be lower than it is in this iteration. I I am not sure of that, especially because the ratings have been good, but we'll see. So, so yeah, I mean, the C both the CBA and then the TV contract, those will be massive.
1: So we have a lot of a lot of news to get to and a fair amount of speculation. But I, I think the most interesting place to start is the teams that have made real moves to kind of set things up, whatever that ends up being. So the Dallas Mavericks withdrew Doug McDermott's qualifying offer. So they could still resign him. They could even resign him using bird rights, depending on timing and space and everything like that. But it looks like that might be a move to maximize cap space. They also rescinded the qualifying offer on Sala measurey. And there's a possibility that they decline Dirk's $5 million team option. They could bring him back with the room mid-level would be about the same, where they could do something else. There are a lot of different options there. So that doesn't necessarily mean Dallas is making X move, but it does look like they're intending to do something involving cap space.
0: Yeah, they could also move on from Dorian Finney-Smith, Kyle Collinsworth, and looking at about $26.3 million in space if, in fact, they decline that Dirk team option. And like you mentioned, McDermott, they'll still have his bird rights. It's just that they don't have the right to match any offer. And same thing, of course, uh, with Sal Amejri as well. Uh, and depending on who they get, I mean, they very easily could come to understandings with those players having their bird rights. If they're now capped out, it might make sense to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, I guess the problem is, though, they still have to keep their cap hold on the book. So it's it's unlikely, I guess, that they would be able to Hold on to those guys and their bird rights and use all, all of their cap space unless more moves are, are made. So, the Measury, though, is someone they could bring back because he has basically has a minimum cap hold, but McDermott's cap hold is almost $10 million, and, and there's no way they're going to pay him that much. They could potentially maybe agree with him on a smaller contract to open up some space, but you have to, reading the tea leaves, it seems like though he probably won't be back there. Uh, although they apparently still have interest in re-signing him. We should talk about that trade, though, that Washington Clippers trade. We actually have not had a chance to to discuss that. Uh, Gortat for Austin Rivers. Uh, Rock Divers, Peston Reese.
1: Yeah. So this is a a fascinating trade for me for a couple reasons, one being this. So I personally feel, and I know there are others who disagree, and that's totally fine, especially because Gortat looked a little washed towards the end of the year. I feel that Marcin Gortat is a better basketball player right now than Austin Rivers is. However, Austin Rivers plays a substantially more valuable position. He also makes a little bit less money. And so that's really the rationale for the Wizards. Is it's The, the argument, and Kevin Pelton wrote this well in his trade grade pieces, the argument is it's easier to replace Marcin Gortat than find another wing. I mean, I think of Rivers more as a two than a three that we can't defend threes in a pinch. So... It's it's a weird place for me where it's like, OK, I feel like Washington, you know, there is a little bit of a downgrade in talent, but it's a justifiable risk from their perspective. And then for the Clippers, I mean, we just don't exactly know what the roster is, but they didn't need another guard considering they even with taitos presumably being gone, Beverly, Lou Williams. They just drafted two guards in the lottery. You know, they, they didn't have as much of a need there. And who knows where they're going at center?
0: Yeah, and in the mock-off season, Dwight Howard ended up going there. He's a, a name that's been floated around, and we'll see how much he ends up giving up in that buyout with the Nets. This is interesting here of what is the opportunity cost for the Clippers at this point? If, in fact, DeAndre Jordan is going to be moving on, the Mavs are supposedly focused on him, trying to get him to opt in and get traded to Dallas rather than sign him to a free agent deal I'm sure that's where a lot of this is headed right now is whether the Mavs want to keep DeAndre for more than one year. I would not want to pay him past this year, but maybe you could trade for him just to get him on a one-year, $24 million contract, essentially. But now, you're, of course, you're giving up trade assets to get him. We'll see how much that is. I don't expect that Jordan has a ton of trade value, and, and maybe Dallas could bring back Jordan on a much cheaper price after this year if it does really work out. I don't expect Jordan to age particularly well. You know, it could be only two, three more years before he's not even a starting quality center anymore. And sooner than that, uh, with his offensive limitations, had a career low block rate last year. It gives us some indication of how he's fallen off uh, some. But I don't know that the Clippers had the option of just moving Austin Rivers into somebody's space. You know, that that probably would have cost an asset as well. They get back someone who can play in Gortat, but I think that if they were adamant on getting a center who can play, they could have just done better with their mid-level exception. They also take on an extra million dollars in this trade. And so that means it's going to be tough for them to use the full mid-level unless more moves happen. They could maybe even, with, with the two guards they drafted, maybe Patrick Beverly gets traded into somebody's space or, or even could, in theory, be waived. He's totally non-guaranteed at $5 million, but he seems like a value even coming back off of that microfracture surgery avery bradley seems very unlikely to return there now with the the two guards they drafted and just not having room for them under the tax and they will not be paying the tax uh when it's all said and done because they would be in the repeater tax and if they just don't pay the tax this year they'll have been out of the tax for two years and then they the repeater tax clock totally resets at that point so they will not be paying the tax this year for a team that's you know not really that good anyway and they also would have the option if they really wanted to of stretching a Boban or a West Johnson but they have all these 2019 cap space aspirations so it seems unlikely that that would be the case I think they kind of bite the bullet and they'll be okay this year and but not necessarily and if they can trade Deandre into Dallas's space that these calculations that I'm talking about assume that he's not there if he's there now you're really into the tax if you're the clippers so that's a a big part of why I think they are very much interested in moving on from him and maybe even they don't expect much back in trade from Dallas because I don't see there's anybody else who can just take DeAndre and help the Clippers stay out of the tax. So with all that said, uh also you you could think that for the Clippers Tyrone Wallace to be very gettable with a, a reasonable free agent offer sheet. Uh again with the guards that they drafted and also the fact that they have these tax concerns that have been exacerbated by getting Gortat. So I, I don't know. I I think I don't think this is like a bad trade from the Clippers' standpoint. But I just you know I don't I'm not wild about Gortat as a starting center and taking on a little bit of extra money. But you know that that another deal might not have been out there. And and I with the young guards that they have now that they wanted to play Doc probably playing Austin Rivers too much. Frankly, you know he's still while well, he provided some value last year he was a little overrated. So I I, I think this. Makes sense for the Clippers to just move on from him. They have a center that they can use a little bit in Gortat. Also, we'll have to see what happens with the restricted free agency of Montrez Harrell, another guy who really could push them up near the tax. And I think Harrell is probably overall better than Gortat, although he's he's way smaller. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Anything to add on that from the Clippers' standpoint?
1: Well, I mean, we're getting closer to the Clippers ending up with the same center rotation that the Mavericks had in the mock-off season, which would be a little bit funny with Gortat and Montrezl Harrell, depending on what happens with Harrell. But yeah, I mean, we have a lot to see with where the the Clippers end up. Just they have so many moving parts. And again, this this ties in with why I was critical of what they did last offseason, which was just, it just was out of character. And a lot of what they have done since has been undoing that, you know, trading Blake Griffin. They did get a way better return from that than I ever would have expected. One other thing to note with this, I have said for years and still believe this, that protection of picks doesn't matter if it is at the lottery line in total. And this, the Clippers pick is lottery protected for next year with the Celtics. So it's not as much something that they will think about, but it is something that affects it because Boston gets that pick. If the Clippers make the playoffs, they do not get it. Then it goes to 2020 and then becomes seconds if it hasn't conveyed in either of those two. Yeah.
0: But if there's any year for them to be in the lottery, it's this year because they're hoping to use, uh, and we'll see how, how well they can do in 2019 free agency. I'm skeptical, and for the Wizards, I think it's a good trade. They save some money towards their tax bill. Rivers will be in their rotation. He might actually be their best defensive player at the three now in some ways. We'll see it depending on what the matches are. He's guarded threes a lot when he was in L.A. I mean, they still have Kelly Oubre. They've got Porter, I and mean, they actually have, like, they've got Sederansky. They've actually got, like, pretty good depth here that unless they're playing against, like, a giant power forward, that they should be able to play either Oubre or Porter at the four most of the time and um, Marquise Morris can play some center for them a little bit or just you know he's declined a little bit in effectiveness after that hernia surgery last year so maybe he just doesn't play as much they go with Porter at the four more often and if LeBron James leaves the East I mean there really aren't that many wings in the East who are just going to steamroll you if you're playing you know slighter guys at the three and four so I think this could really turbocharge the offense for the Wizards and allow them to play a lot smaller. And, you know, they still got Yamahimi, who's not a great center option. But I think, especially because they can offer a starting position, they should be able to get something pretty good uh, in the center market, even without a ton of money to spend.
1: Another team kind of making moves to line things up, the Indiana Pacers waived Lance Stevenson, who I believe was like $4.3 million was yeah. the team option they had. It does sound like they're going to retain Bojan Bo- Bogdanovic. And that, I mean, that makes sense to me with the price that they got him at. And interesting reports on who they're looking at in free agency. Woj had it that they're looking at Aaron Gordon. Also, I believe it was Chris Haynes had Will Barton and Tyreek Evans, both of whom make a lot of sense for them. So I, I don't know exactly where they're going, but it looks like they're going to try to make a move with the space they have, even if they don't clear everything by moving Bogdanovich or Derek callson
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I would have held on to Bogdanovich necessarily and... Because I think your money is just going to go so far, and, and we're actually we're still going to wait on the Pacers because we don't have a decision yet from Thaddeus Young and his offer sheet. There is the report that Aaron Gordon could get an offer sheet from them. Also, reporting that from Chris Haynes that they'd be looking at Will Barton or Tyreek Evans. Offer the ability to offer either of those guys above the mid level should be very powerful. I think if if they offer that, they should be able to get one of those two guys, especially because they're a good team. So I probably would have just waived Bogdanovich. I maybe you hope for the best Um, because Indiana is not a free agent destination, tried to do some of those contracts that didn't really happen in the mock-off season, but I think could work. And you wrote well about this in your real GM piece about the takeaways from the mock-off season of try to get some of those 2015 Portland style contracts to get guys below market value locked in to longer deals. The Ed Davis, the Al Farouk Aminu kind of contract, see if you can go there whereas the fact that usually you're like oh well we've we've got flexibility because this guy's on a a one-year deal but because basically what you're saying is I'd rather have Boyan Bogdanovich for one year in cap space in 2019 I'm saying no I'd rather have a 10 million dollar player this year and going forward past 2019 as opposed to Bogdanovich he did play very well in the playoffs but I think he is a somewhat replaceable guy And, and moreover if they waive him, it actually might have made sense to waive him a couple of days ago at a time when it's not going to flip over to the new league year and he can't be claimed. And that way, he's just out there as a free agent. You could always have just brought him back if you wanted to also uh, uh, when it was all said and done if you can't find anywhere else for your money. I'm not sure that – yeah.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like what I ended up doing with Bielica.
0: Yeah, yeah. although this is different because you have to waive him and he has to go through waivers as opposed to being right. a, a free agent. Uh Fair enough, But yeah, lots, lots interesting with the Pacers and still that Thad Young decision, 13.9 million. Uh, I just, I don't even want to do their off season preview yet because we don't know that we're so close to finding out here. Uh,
1: and, and so just so people know, it could happen just depending on where the way this goes, that that will actually go come after July 1st, but we'll still treat it as a preview because that's what it is.
0: All right. So more news here, Toronto having difficulty finding assistance for nick nurse they had this really deep bench and it seems that no one wants to stick around there now and then they went after uh serenius kevicus and chris finch to try to be assistants neither of them ended up biting in other news uh scott bordeaux suns beat writer says that the suns are very unlikely uh to give qualifying uh, a qualifying offer to alfred payton in fact i don't think that they will uh tomorrow's the deadline there and then Alec Len as well, uh, that they're not even likely to keep those cap holds on the books uh, and that the Suns are looking for a point guard and a stretch four in free agency. Tyler Ulis also had a guarantee date that was shortly after the draft. That has now been pushed back to Saturday. I would imagine with the way Shaq Harrison played, he's kind of a, a combo guard. The fact that they drafted Eliakobo, Brandon Knight is coming back. Ulis really was one of the worst players in basketball to get big minutes last year so i i could see them and the shot just didn't go in for him as much last year i could see them just moving on from him at this point i think he's still a guy who might be able to be a, a backup point guard someday but it just seems like kind of the Suns just have other options there they want to take a look at uh yeah what else we got how ready are you to do how ready are you
1: to do some of the voice
0: <laughs> i don't know i i don't want to go too far on that but uh but uh and it's Kander has opted in or leaning towards opting in, sorry, per uh, Begley. Uh, that is uh, not a surprise. He was making noises that he might opt out. I'd put Garrett Temple probably in the same boat. Uh, we'll see there, though. And what are some of the other player options that we have? Mellow. <laughs> well, yeah, he de- He declined to exercise his early termination option. N- not a surprise there. And then uh, Wilson Chandler also uh, will exercise his player option to go back to the Nuggets. That's uh, also all of these wise moves. Uh, to be sure and then more Denver news the Nuggets as expected declining the team option on Nikola Jokic indications are already that, that he will re-sign for the max five years 146 million we'll see whether there's an option on there I'm guessing that there will not be because again they're both because Jokic was restricted and because they the Denver had to decline that option for him which of course they had incentive to do because he would have been unrestricted next year as opposed to restricted this year if they kept him but I think at least they're able to get him to just do the full five years instead of a player option. In the mock-off season, I ended up taking less to get that player option. Uh, And also, I thought KP did a little bit better job of of leveraging things. Uh, What else we got here?
1: Danny Green opted in. I don't think that requires a voice because that was more of a a, a tough decision. $10 million option with the Spurs shelvin Mack got waived this is not a surprise 1 million guaranteed we have not yet heard whether the magic will stretch that money i think they should just bite the yeah. bullet and put it all especially on this year because they might They're actually... not
0: a cap team this year and they're also not in danger of the tax so why not just get it all done this year
1: yeah then markel fultz is working with drew hanlon probably not going to play in summer league but what was interesting is hanlon describing what markel fultz has as the yips Which is more, uh, you know, a a mental thing rather than some sort of physical limitation. Yeah, he said Hell had one of the most documented cases
0: of kind of the yips in recent years. He completely forgot how to shoot and had multiple hitches in a shot. Hanlon, glowing reports. Uh, Amazingly, a trainer has said that a player who's working with him is making a great progress under that very trainer. But nonetheless, that's good news for Sixers fans. And uh, Hanlon's philosophy when he's rebuilding a shot is, You don't play 5-on-5 because then you just regress back to what you were doing. So he likes them to not play 5-on-5 for three months or so. So that's probably why he's not going to play Summer League. We haven't heard that actually reported, but uh, connecting the dots there, it seems pretty obvious. Milwaukee, Sean Sweeney, who uh, had been Jason Kidd's uh, star assistant, the architect of their defense, he has moved to Detroit under Dwayne Casey.
1: And Detroit, because they're intent on filling in their entire front, like the whole power structure except for the general manager do that last they hired malik rose to be i believe the assistant general manager
0: yeah malik uh, actually was uh an attendee of sports business classroom uh, the executive session a couple times he had a a nice blurb on the website uh, about how the the program was and but not that we're going to take credit for him getting this job he's he's a really emotionally intelligent guy knows the game and my interactions with him he's just shown a, a great desire to learn and and look at new philosophy so I think that's a pretty good hire he's been a rising star he was the G League executive of the year with Erie which had been the Hawks affiliate but what this really seems to augur is that Ed Stefanski is just going to stay on as the general manager I mean they hired a coach and an assistant GM so oh now they're going to hire a general manager no clearly Ed Stefanski is just going to stay there Ed Stefanski is someone I am uh, extremely skeptical of based on his tenures in New Jersey and Philadelphia. And, you know, I don't think Memphis, when he was there, has been great either. So uh, very. Uh, this is one of these ones where it's like, man, like, what did this guy do to earn another shot? Like, why don't you just take a a chance on someone who's never had a gem job before at this point? But uh, we'll see. Maybe they'll do a better job. He's certainly got a lot of work to do in Detroit, that's for sure.
1: Speaking of management teams that I don't necessarily have the most faith in, Mitch Kupchak new general manager of the Charlotte Hornets said that Kemba Walker is the centerpiece of the franchise. Now, that does not mean that he has to be the centerpiece forever. But if that's how they're starting this offseason, I think it's pretty fair to say that I would not expect him to be moved during the offseason. Maybe at the trade deadline, we'll see where the Hornets are at that point. And it's possible that a playoff spot is opening up for them. But still, I mean, what is that really, you know, if they're the seven or eight seed and then maybe he stays at a high price, maybe he goes for nothing.
0: In Atlanta, Michael Cunningham uh, reporting that Isaiah Taylor's guarantee date, 300,000 guarantee, not total guarantee, was pushed back uh, to the end of June uh, as well. And then they did not make a qualifying offer for Malcolm Delaney, who was a little bit of a disappointment for me in the NBA. I had hoped that he could do a little bit more based on how he had played in Europe. In Brooklyn, uh, Ruddy and Will come over right away. He and Zanem Musa, both of them are guys who need to get an NBA strength program post-haste, but a four-year deal for the second round of Crooks, the 40th overall pick. And then also from Europe, the Celtics continuing their train of finding one of the best American point guards in Europe to play a third point guard role. This means perhaps that Shane Larkin will not return. Uh, Brad Wanamaker, who who, uh, played well. In Fenerbahce, if you watched the EuroLeague Final Four, you probably saw him guarding Luka Doncic. Some. Uh, he is on a one-year rookie minimum deal for eight hundred thirty-one thousand, Uh And he actually left a ton of money on the table in Barcelona, according to David Pick, and is uh, wants to get into the NBA and, and see if he can play well. Also, we noted how Robert Williams fell to number 27th in, in the draft. And then part of that was uh, there was some reporting that maybe the background on him wasn't that great. And he then missed a conference call the next morning, right after the draft with the Boston media. They had no idea where he was. Supposedly it was due to a misunderstanding. And then Sherrod Blakely reporting that Aaron Baines is expected to return next year for the Celtics. That very much seems like, and this is what happened in the mock-off season as well, The they can pay him up to 120% of what he made last year. So that would be $5.2 million. Remember, he signed the room exception for one year last year. My guess would be that it's going to be one year, $5.2 million for him to come back. Uh, otherwise, to pay him more than that, they would have to break into an exception, which seems unlikely. And I think they also really would like to avoid the tax this year if they can, because they're going to have many years of tax payments ahead of time. And if you're close, it, it really makes more sense to just avoid it at this point.
1: Team, A team that has had many years of tax payments? Maybe in the rearview mirror, we'll see what happens at this point. The Cleveland Cavaliers made it what set at first was an absolutely shocking move when they picked up the option on Kendrick Perkins because I thought that option was guaranteed. It turns out from Dave McMenamin's piece that it is not guaranteed. I still don't know all the mechanics of how that's going to work. But it it was interesting, the piece, and I think McMenamin's or Windhorst talking about it, it sounds like they... Just it's kind of a flexibility piece. And if Kendrick Perkins is not guaranteed, sure. It's the same thing we talked about a little bit in the mock-off season with all the Rockets non-guaranteed guys. And, I mean, really now they're in a holding pattern of sorts until we find out what happens with LeBron James.
0: Yeah, and uh, Brian Windhorst saying on Cleveland radio that the Cavs are behaving as if they expect LeBron to leave. That a little bit in contrast to some of the other reporting that the Cavs want to keep Kevin Love next year. Uh, Although supposedly that's even without LeBron if they want to do that. Uh, Mark Stein had said earlier that a couple weeks ago that only the family member's wishes could actually keep him in Cleveland. So uh, and there's a bunch of reporting which I think is just kind of face-saving. Oh, the Cavs are being very aggressive to try and clear some space. Well, even if LeBron leaves and they get rid of everything else that's not tied down, there would be hard-pressed to get under the cap. So that seems extremely unlikely that they could make any kind of a big move. I mean, maybe they could make a trade by including Colin Sexton or Love, and, and but there's no way they do that until LeBron says he's going to stay. And I mean, it's really hard for them to make a deal without LeBron saying he's going to stay either. It's just just have something on the table where they say, LeBron, oh, if you stay, we'll execute this deal. Like other teams aren't going to just wait around for that. So seems very uh, unlikely. Houston, there was a report... From the eh, relatively unreliable, I would say, Chris Broussard, that there's tension between CP and the organization about how much he was going to get paid. Uh, Amick coming back saying there's no tension, and then Paul, Ariza, and Houston executives were all there for the award show where James Harden won MVP. I'm sure you guys have seen that. I don't think we need to go over those uh, awards, really. Uh, And there wasn't really anything that I thought was, like, really a bad pick either this year that comes to mind maybe you can disabuse me of that when we're done talking about this but you know, cp was joking around about oh there's so much tension here uh the rockets also picked up the fourth year option on mike d'antoni's contract and trevor ariza there had been a report that he's looking for 50 or 60 million shams again pushing back on that uh he is going to schedule meetings on july 1st but supposedly no truth to the rumor that ariza was demanding 50 or 60 million but i eh, i don't know he might be able to get it we'll see uh where the Rockets are as well and what other offers might be available to him. Certainly you would think like an Indiana would be very interested in coming with a a nice offer for Trevor Ariza. Um, And I guess we got to talk about Chicago.
1: Yeah. I mean, last, last and pretty close to least the Chicago bulls, the, Bulls are, are looking at, you know, seeing if anybody's going to make an offer for Zach Levine. There was a little bit out there that Sacramento might be interested, which is just so unbranded. It's magnificent because yeah, I mean, it makes no there's sense. There's been the a Sacramento lot of reporting
0: games. on that, even that the, the bull, like Tacey Johnson saying the Bulls were worried about a Western Conference team and we racked our brain to figure out who that might be. But like Zach Levine, they got Buddy Heald already. They got Bogdanovich, who's probably better than Zach Levine right now.
1: Probably. He uh, is
0: yeah, I mean, we'll see what, how Levine is younger. He could develop more quickly. So, yeah, certainly last year he was. Um, and they need a three. I mean, it's just – and I actually, for Sacramento, I've done a bunch of podcasts in the last couple of days. Did one with David Locke for Lockdown NBA. Uh, did one with Anthony Slater previewing free agency for the Warriors yesterday. Did another one with James Hand this morning. I think it will be out by the time you listen to this. Um, talking about the Kings offseason. So – lots more uh of my podcasting out there but yeah i mean we talked about how their threes out there is what they the kings really needed levine just makes so little sense to you when you already have healed and and bogdanovich on relatively cheap contracts as well they got so many other needs as the kings in the long term
1: and also reporting out of chicago that jerry and grant is a candidate to be waived which is intriguing considering i haven't really seen much from him that would lead me to thinking he's the odd man out and also this part is far less of a shock but they're probably not going to give no a qualifying offer i mean it, it, it's a high enough deal that i would be very concerned about him signing it right away and if that's the case then you probably shouldn't extend it
0: so we got to talk Knicks and calves here in a moment but first this from simple contacts i am lucky enough to not need contacts, but being the incredibly empathetic person that I am, I've always really sympathized with those who needed contacts. It just seemed like a, a miserable process, especially this idea that you got to go to the doctor's office to renew your prescription every time. Like what a complete waste of time. So when I was introduced to simple contacts, I let my fiance know about it and she was like, oh, you know, I got to take this test. It's five minutes. Like because uh, five minutes is actually kind of a long time now in our, our society, but I was like, yeah, you know, you need to do this for the podcast. So, so she did. And then she's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, now I don't have to actually go in to the doctor. I just saved all that time with their online self-guided vision test in just five minutes. So they're basically bringing the doctor's office to your home. Making an appointment it is miserable. You have to get off of work a lot of times. You get there. you're They're never actually ready when you get there. And their contact lens prizes are unbeatable. If you order through them and then this vision test is only $20, again, much less expensive than it would be at the doctors. Their shipping is free. Now, the one thing they can't do is give you a full eye health exam. You should still get that periodically. They want to make sure that I mentioned that. But honestly, going to the doctor's office for a lot of these things is just totally outdated. And simple contacts is the best way to renew prescription if you need a new prescription they can't do that for you but if you're just renewing your prescription they just test whether you can still see 2020 with your current prescription if you can boom you got the renewal and you can order your contacts from them with 30 dollars off your first order use the code dunk d-u-n-c different code for this one sad that we can't use cap space here because you know it's the off season and i wanted to say that but dunk is the code this time d-u-n-c simplecontacts.com slash dunk or enter the code dunk at checkout once again simplecontacts.com slash dunk or enter the code dunk d-u-n-c at checkout get $30 off your contacts try it out and you're never going to go to the doctor's office to renew your prescription again why don't we start with the knicks here just because interestingly enough they don't have one of the more extensive off seasons because just the organizational limbo that they're in right now due to the health of Kristaps Porzingis.
1: Beyond that, it's it's the health of Porzingis, but also just their limited flexibility. They are one of the unusual teams that is over the over the cap, but well below the tax. Assuming Enes Kanter in as as we do expect and talked about a little bit in in the news part. So that means they could use the full middle level exception. They could also use the biannual, which makes sense for the Knicks because. They expect to be under the cap for next year, so then you're not you can only use it every other year. But if you're not going to use it the second year, that's totally fine. And they could theoretically clear about $11 million by stretching Noah his final two years over five years, but that doesn't really make much sense. It doesn't give them a whole lot to work with. They also have small trade exceptions for Carmelo Anthony and Willie Hernan Gomez. Melos is only about 2.4 million. Hernan Gomez is 1.4. Usually when they're that low, for me. What I'm thinking is that's claiming a guy off waivers. If there's somebody you like, you can just get them that way. You don't have to tie up any of yeah, your other exceptions. And, and a
0: player who is on a contract that's longer than the minimum, but you could still claim off waivers. Right. Yeah, that's useful.
1: Exactly. So you could, they can do that and they're free agents. So Kyle Quinn already opted out. He is, they have full bird rights on him. He's unrestricted. His hold is $8 million, Not that that really matters too much to them. They could bring him back, certainly, but they could also just go in a different direction. Michael Beasley, non-Bird, because he was on a one-year contract, $1.5 million hold, same thing with Jarrett Jack. I could see them bringing Beasley back. I could also see them not bringing him back, trying somebody else in that role. They have a non-guarantee for Trey Burke. It sounds like at least they'll give him to the 100000 point, which I believe is July 10th, but they could could have him on their team next year. He did a nice job. And then Troy Williams, Troy Williams doesn't have any guarantee until august 1st by then the knicks will know what their team is and then it's 100,000 with him so they they still have plenty of time to figure all that out the big holes on this team point guard they've got Nilakina,
0: they've got emmanuel Mudiay for next year neither of those guys has proven to be anywhere close to a starting caliber player Jarrett jack is an unrestricted free agent he actually could give some decent point guard minutes somewhere else he played reasonably well for them. He might have been their best point guard last year at times but they definitely could use something more at point guard. Not that strong of a free agent class right now. They will have that full mid-level to use. I think that's one thing to watch is they have 2019 cap space aspirations. But they're not going to have that much. As of now, they're only slated to have about $25 million in space. Because, eh, you know, that's what happens when you're paying Joe Kim Noah and Tim Hardaway Jr. A combined $37.5 million dollars noah is expected to be stretched that year so you could bump that up to maybe about 37 million dollars but there are a lot of teams that are supposed to have space next year so my question is maybe they could be one of these teams so few teams can even use the full mid-level that you could get a player on a value contract who can contribute going forward do you want to sacrifice 2019 cap space to do that i think i might be willing to do that because the you, if it's a guy who's on a value contract, you could always move him again as well. And with Porzingis just having come back from the ACL, and that this also assumes that they don't extend Porzingis as well. If they do that, then uh, his cap hold is seventeen million. Then that cap space could disappear even more. So uh, maybe twenty twenty is a better target for this team, especially if some of these young guys can develop. They drafted Kevin Knox. We'll see how, how he looks this year. I mean, he's really their only pure three on the roster right now. So they could maybe use another one of those, but there aren't many of those in free agency. Another thing that I could see them maybe doing with that mid-level is some of the lower level restricted free agents, especially on teams that have tax concerns, whether, you know, Trevion Graham, David Nwaba, Patrick McCaw, those type of guys where you can use the full mid-level and maybe offer those guys a little bit more than those teams feel like matching. Maybe even Fred Van Vliet is someone they could look at with an offer sheet. Uh, And, They're not, I mean, they're going to be bad next year regardless, but you're not as worried as you used to be about, oh, we got to be one of the absolute worst teams with the new lottery rules. So that's, this is one way where, you know, maybe it would make more sense for them just to not sign anyone and tank, but now they can sign a player who's not going to move the needle, but still could be a useful player for them going forward.
1: I sincerely doubt the Knicks will do it, but they could theoretically with their contract structure be another team that could take on money for the 1920 season and basically line things up for 2020 because they have NS Kanter's massive expiring deal. He's somebody who can actually help a team if they wanted to. I don't expect that to happen, but I wanted to throw it out there as a possibility. And yeah, Courtney I Lee think is another guy too,
0: who could be, and he goes through 2020, but he could help a team a lot more. You know, hit him for... uh evan turner could be a very interesting trade right where and turner even maybe could help the knicks a little bit uh but lee could maybe be play that alan crab role not not quite that good of a shooter but much better defensively but lee definitely can help a team and and maybe if you're the knicks as well this is the time to move on lee because he in the next couple years could fall off to the point where he's not an upgrade uh, in terms of taking on bad salary for some of these but but maybe you could pick up a first round pick by moving lee for evan turner or something like that you know that that and you're not really in that much worse of a salary situation but yeah i think the idea of maybe waiting until 2020 and still instead of 2019 could be very powerful for this team because they're just they're not going to be any good i don't just i don't see them getting any of the premium guys in 2019 this is a long rebuild um yeah what else
1: well, the only exception would be if they've already had some sort of indication, like if there's a player, for whatever reason, Kyrie Irving is the one that pops into my head, that for whatever reason, they want to go to the Knicks, even if we don't think it necessarily makes sense because of where they are in the success cycle, then maybe you see this differently. But we'll have to see. What my line would be for using the mid-level exception is a player that can be under contract and a productive right. part of their 2020 team. That's where I would be looking. And so somebody who can run a pick-and-roll would be great, or just... A wing because wings are so valuable in the league so i would be skewing younger i would and it doesn't have to be a star or anything just a player who can be at a on, on the rotation at that price you brought up the guys like travion graham and macaw joe harris could be another player sort of of that ilk and i i wonder where they're going to go with it i could also see them they already had his brother before but jeremy grant if they see porzingis as a center long term no, could be intriguing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so so the Knicks they did they don't. I talked about this a little bit. Uh, the one where I wrote the most, kind of, if you want to call it poetically, about this was actually in the Pistons off season preview I did for the Athletic. But I talked about the idea of how narrowing constraints, like just putting a team in in, in a really tight spot, can actually clarify for the front office because it's like, hey, we only have this. Let's do the best we can with it. And I don't know if that's going to be the case with the Knicks. With you know, now they have Fisdale as a new coach, but their front office, we have our own. Qualms with that, so I want to see where they go with this.
0: You also mentioned uh, some of the point guard, uh, Dante Exum. I'm not sure that I think the Jazz would match on an offer for the full mid level exception, but that's a very interesting one to play with upside. Another player who hopefully they won't use the full mid level on, but who was a Scott Perry favorite. Of course, we drafted him in Orlando. Is Alfred Payton, who is uh, unlikely to get a qualifying offer from the Suns. You could see him coming in. That that would be a good buy low again to just. Bring him in, have him compete with a, a very similar player in Emmanuel Moutier. Uh, they've got Nilakina as well, and just uh, give those guys, uh, they've got Trey Burke. Just let those guys kind of fight out and hope that one of them can emerge potentially as a long-term starter. There's a lot of potential there, even if it, none of those players uh, have particularly delivered on it yet. You had Nemanja Bielitza in here. I think that would be a nice fit is because Bialica could be used more. You mentioned they need someone to run a pick and roll spread the floor they have zero passing on this team whatsoever right now that would really help especially O'Quinn might have been uh their best passer last year and, and uh he's probably not gonna be on the team next year
1: yeah i like the b elite to fit and I, I just don't know where this team is or really where they're going so just getting good basketball players who make good decisions would be an upgrade and just as i said building those pieces for the future and and looking a little bit further out anything else on them or do you want to move on to the we should capital- probably
0: discuss the porzingis potential extension.
1: Sure. So a part of this is certainly the idea that any deal, whatever that number is, replaces the cap hold and any reasonable contract would go over that hold because he's going to make more money than that. So for the Knicks, what I would be looking for is some sort of risk mitigation, and that could be in the form of non-guarantees. I would have it in a different form than Joel Embiid trade, but if that helps people think about it, so be it. Or by less money per year, something like that. Because I don't think Porzingis has the equity, especially with this injury, to say, you know, max or nothing, because they can just wait. And if he earns it, they have the ability to sign it, no problems asked. If he he really, really earns it, then they can give him that max qualifying offer. But if that's not the case, then they have they protect themselves a little bit. So I'd be asking him to take a haircut and a pretty meaningful one here to get a deal done.
0: Yeah, I agree. And obviously, he is their franchise player. He's been a little touchy in terms of his wanting to come back. But you also he might just not be the same guy when he comes back. And he'll have maybe three months of the season, and the expectations will not be that high for him. But you're going to want to at least see some flashes there because if he's not the same guy and i always thought that porzingis is a little overrated i think in part because he always plays so well at the start of the year and people are like oh this guy's unbelievable and then kind of the knicks just fall out of contention and people aren't really paying attention as much at the end of the year when he wears down or just gets unlucky with his shooting compared to earlier i mean he definitely took strides last year and but then had of course the acl tear and is that difficulty staying healthy in other ways in addition to that ACL tear? So I think I, I agree with you. I mean, unless there's going to be a really significant, you know, something like twenty million a year, and also another reason too is you definitely don't want to give him five years of the full max now, unless maybe there's some non guarantees on the end. But even then, uh, but I the, so you now have the ability to sign him for five years for less than the max as a restricted free agent potentially and yeah you run the risk of okay he gets a restricted free agency and he really wants to get out of there and he signs a three plus one uh you've always got the maximum qualifying offer available if you really need it uh, as well but i think hopefully you can avoid alienating him under the guise of hey you know we want to use your low cap hold to try and sign more free agents to help you but in reality it's kind of more about well yeah you know it's kind of see how you look a little bit here when you come back so i think that's all, all i had on them should we talk a little Cleveland Cavaliers now?
1: Yeah I think the place to start is just noting because sometimes this is a misconception that gets out there that Cleveland is under uh, sorry over the cap no matter what just because a max player leaves does not in any way shape or form mean that a team has the cap space to replace them if LeBron leaves I have Cleveland at just under 10 million below the tax line though that does include Rodney Hood's hold and if LeBron comes back then they're obviously super expensive. There is an open question about whether Dan Gilbert would use the full taxpayer mid-level. If memory serves, he did not use it. I think they used a portion of it on Chetty Osman and then used, I think, another portion to give a pick more, more years. You know, something that teams have been doing more in recent seasons. But they also have trade exceptions for Kyrie Irving and Richard Jefferson. I doubt they're really going to use either one of those just because they'll have other options available on the table. So really this is a two-pronged idea. One is what if LeBron comes back, the other is what if LeBron leaves. Yeah,
0: and certainly the Cavaliers will be hoping that Kawhi Leonard does not get to the Lakers. LeBron just we haven't heard anything about him potentially going to Philly. Houston is not giving up, but supposedly there's pessimism in James's camp as well. The, the it seems to be either Lakers or Cavs is the question. Let's talk about if James does return. I have long maintained that if you want to compete with the best teams, they just need to move on from Kevin Love in some way. They just can't be good enough defensively with him out there. I think we saw that in the NBA Finals again. I know he had that one stop in Game 7 two years ago, but and he actually executes and tries harder than a lot of these other guys, but they just need more athleticism. They need more versatility. Jeff Green while he played pretty well for them just wasn't really the answer there to some extent they're going to have to hope that jordan clarkson can play a little bit better if lebron returns maybe rodney hood they're just hoping that he takes the qualifying offer i wouldn't expect a substantial offer to him i think if lebron leaves it's maybe more likely that hood could get a, a pretty decent offer from them and then they've got colin sexton whom they drafted not a guy who no rookie point guard is going to contribute at the highest levels beyond a few minutes a game likely in the the playoffs so the thought would be all right what can we get for Kevin Love and Colin Sexton if LeBron sticks around and we're still trying to win a championship or maybe even the thought is you know we're still he's only here for one more year again he probably signs another one plus one you would imagine in Cleveland so Maybe the thought is, I, you know, we're not going to sacrifice the future here. We're just going to keep the same team around LeBron, and we'll have as good a chance of everyone of anyone of getting back to the finals and losing again, you know, but I don't really want to pay through the nose and hamstring our future and, and give up future first-round picks or whatever else.
1: I want to emphasize, we talked about this a little bit earlier, how thoroughly the Cavs have been strip-mined. I mean, because, so it goes in two elements. One is the draft picks. I mean, so they owe that top 10 protected first to the Hawks, ten top 10 in 2019 and 2020, then two seconds, also a couple second round picks. But the other big challenge for Cleveland is to go back to an old, though it didn't start on dunked on, chestnut for me is the Nene test. And so it's which players on their contracts are an asset. And I would argue that, you know, for certain teams, because it's not uniform, you know, like Kyle Korver, for example, could be an asset on certain teams at 7 million, for ne- 7.5 million for next year. But by and large... Cleveland's best players for most teams, I would say, are negative. You know, Kevin Love at twenty five million a year, that's a lot for him. Tristan Thompson looked like a shell of himself most of last season. He's about eighteen mil for a year per year for two more years. Jr. has that fourteen point seven, then a partial guarantee. So like you're you're sitting there looking at it, going, well, okay, we would probably in most circumstances have to give up assets or at least get something back that costs something. And so that makes it hard to really turn this around or even transform the team from where they are at this point.
0: I'm trying to think of who they might pursue in a Kevin Love trade. It's just it's so hard to make a trade in the NBA of like for like, you know, it's not one team future, one team present. And certainly I think if LeBron leaves, they should trade Love post haste. But uh, especially because it wouldn't shock me if Love opts into his player option of $26 next summer. Anything come to mind of just a a possible trade target there for a team that would want Kevin Love and could bring back a player that might be useful? Maybe that player would be a center with some athleticism. Maybe that would be the thought there, but it it seems unlikely that there are players with good wings who would want Kevin Love instead. But maybe I'm missing something.
1: Yeah, I don't have any particularly good ones off the top of my head. And the other concern with Kevin Love's player option is, you know, I could see a team like Phoenix being interested just because a good player, McDonough's. You know, trying to secure his job. But the Suns want to be players in 2019. And so they can't do that if you have a, a guy who could theoretically take his $26 million about and, and just yeah. go well, in with it. Well, he'll hate
0: being in Phoenix so much that he would, he would clearly opt out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I, th- I think Phoenix, maybe there's some hope for them now with Kakashkov and, and and some of their recent. We'll see. It, it, it hasn't been a great and
1: place. Like, and I, I wouldn't think that like the Pacers would be particularly interested. They can do so much more with that money that they have now. And, and there aren't even just that many. I I don't know. I don't really have that many good spots for Kevin Love. What, what in my about head. Kevin Love
0: for Paul Millsap, Straight up,
1: it's interesting. I mean, that would be the Nuggets leaning in. You know, go, going in that direction, say, hey, we're we're just going to be an offensive team. Yeah. The well, reason and, and the I wouldn't do would, that is Denver the nuggets would
0: save some money. Uh
1: in the immediate but you change from a team option on Millsap to a player option on Love so that that gives you a lot less yeah. control over but, the but if you're the Nuggets you situation. might think
0: hey you know we'd love to have Kevin Love on a, on for 26 million in 2019-20 and uh you know for the Cavs they could play Millsap at center uh and next to LeBron I mean I still don't think LeBron is going to stay probably we'll see what happens with Kawhi but it's uh I mean that that would be an interesting one uh to me I think that's one that could maybe benefit both teams. I, I agree that you're kind of leaning into it as the Nuggets, but, you know, they, they got a long way to go with this team. And and I think offensively, love is just so much better of a compliment to the uh, – I mean, they'll never stop anybody but they weren't stopping anybody anyway. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's just a thought. I, I, that would probably never happen, but – it would be interesting
1: so in terms of cleveland what they would do if lebron comes back with if they use the mid-level exception for me the heavy primary target would be trying to get forwards who could play in a series theoretically against the warriors or rockets the dream would be trevor reaser luke richard and Bob Mute. good luck with that hey, and Bob but Mute, more likely somebody Bob Mute
0: you could see maybe especially if they're willing to go years with that full mini mid-level
1: yeah, I see, I don't think Dan Gilbert would go years. That's why I'm, I'm skeptical of it. I think that would be like, hey, one year at the mid-level, would you want to do it? And maybe he would. I mean, that would be a pretty, a pretty intriguing opportunity. If those guys say no, look more in the James Ennis, Joe Harris, which would be a return, Travion Graham, GR3 maybe, or, I mean, and then they could go like Mike Beasley for the minimum. That seems like kind of a Cavs move. And then the other thing that Cleveland really needs is a depth guard. Ray Felton, Jameer Nelson, just somebody who can capably run things for them would just be such a big help.
0: Now, of course if LeBron returns, and even if he doesn't and this is also a complication for the potential opt-in in trade scenario where if they're not going to be good, they're not going to want to take on equivalent salary to LeBron and still pay the regular tax. Remember, they're in the repeater tax, so as of right now if LeBron were to return for his max, even with only 11 players under contract, including Sexton, you're at million in repeater taxes paid. And then even if you just fill out the roster to get to 14 guys, Oh, you can say hello to 87 million in repeater taxes paid. And now if you want to make one of those, the mini, mid level instead, the full mini, mid level exception, ah, cool. $107 million in repeater taxes paid. So yeah, uh, this will be a very expensive team. Again, it would be the most expensive of this era. Uh, if they bring back LeBron, I mean, they're adding the four million in salary from Sexton. They got all these raises from these other guys. Clearly, some sort of a move, maybe getting off of Jr. Smith, who is making fourteen point seven this year and is guaranteed three point nine million next year. Kyle Korver took a little bit more of a backseat role in the in the against Boston. Uh, you know, not uh, that was why I was critical of that trade to begin with was that he really couldn't play against the most athletic teams very well. He obviously was key in the first two rounds but maybe they could move on from him and just hope that somebody would take him uh, to save some money but i mean we're talking about these guys that they could get uh, and you know they could make these trades later on as well potentially to to save cash but it certainly would be very difficult for them in terms of the repeater tax which you know increases every band there by a dollar compared to the regular tax what if lebron leaves
1: I mean, the big thing you start doing is you listen and if not pursue trades on just about everything that's not nailed down on the roster. Love, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, you know, focusing more on the older guys just because you're doing that. Maybe Dan Gilbert tries to do a spite run at the playoffs. I would be interested in seeing what that team looks like. I don't think it would make any sense just because you're losing that benefit. Also, their pick is top 10 protected. So that gamble might get you somewhere close to, to getting making that dicey. Then, whatever flexibility they have would be focused on restricted free agents, whether that be Rodney Hood, who they have the rights to themselves or other guys, you know, Patrick McCaw, Shabazz Napier, who could follow LeBron departure again, which would be kind of funny. And then replacements for whoever they trade away, should they end up trading guys away. So I, th- I think they would be more on kind of on the, the margin end. And the big question for me with Cleveland, if LeBron leaves is what do they see as their timeline? Do they take their medicine for the 18-19 season? Maybe even the nineteen twenty season, and then push at that point, or do they try to really squeeze and push and do something else with it? Because they could maybe become a 19, 2019 cap space team, but I think they're more of a twenty twenty or twenty one team at that at that juncture rather than going after it right away.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I really they would desperately need a three if they were trying to do the competing thing next year. As we've mentioned, zero threes pretty much available on the roster. They probably could get to using the full mid-level that could maybe be a more powerful tool you could see them trying to get like an avery bradley and and in the east still where they'll be playing 58 of their games the number of threes with size that you really need to guard are, are limited i guess you've got ben simmons out there though they've had more success guarding them with power forwards a lot of teams have but other than simmons there isn't anyone with that size maybe you could say Jalen brown or jason tatum but there are teams that are just gonna have to get away with using two guards at the three a lot this season and the Cavs without LeBron would be one of those but it's hard to imagine them doing much and certainly I think they should try to trade love everyone else I think you just got to kind of take your medicine on them and if you can take on some bad money maybe some of these guys have some use J.R. Smith or Clarkson or Tristan Thompson where you're taking back even worse money and you're getting a lot worse that would be my strategy I don't know that it'll be George Hill is another one of those guys. I don't know that that'd be the strategy for Dan Gilbert, however.
1: A couple other things I want to mention. One, Larry Nance is going to be eligible for an extension. His cap hold is just under 7000000 million. They've talked about him as a f- foundational piece. That Those negotiations will be interesting, especially because they will be colored by what happens for Cleveland the offseason unless they somehow come to an agreement in the first like four or five days, which seems unlikely. Kevin Love is also eligible for an extension. I don't see that really coming to pass. So those and then and then we talked a little bit about Rodney Hood like I think with him what you do you extend the qualifying offer and then you just see where the market goes with him and if it ends up in a place that you're happy with you match and if it doesn't then you let him go Yeah love
0: if they were in just a little bit more certain of a place as a franchise you could see him being a candidate for a LaMarcus Aldridge type of extension maybe just you know one more year and then a partial guarantee on that you know they certainly have enough money to pay him i mean i don't think he's a, a player who's going to be getting the 35 percent max in free agency but he maybe opts into that player option or declines it and then goes out two more years after that with a little bit of a bump you, i wouldn't want to go any more than maybe one more year beyond what he's under contract for already but that actually could make some sense for love we'll see though i mean he, as we know he could be a free agent next summer I think that's all I've got uh, on them, though. O'Carroll White guarantees not until August 5th, and that's only really half guaranteed at that point. The rest is at the league-wide cut-down date. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that's the first day of the 2018 season, but that's really the only non-guarantee option they need to make uh, other than Kendrick Perkins, of course, and his he's got the league-wide cut-down date for his guarantee. Let's talk Pacers now, because, because. Well, oh, let's no. do
1: – we can do one piece of news quickly before that, that Nemanja Bielitsa is getting a qualifying offer. Oh, okay. So from, from John Krasinski of, of The Athletic. So that, that came out. And I just want to mention that. We'll see. They could always withdraw it. I, and But that's a lucrative enough that he theoretically could sign it.
0: Yeah, and then he at least Maybe. could have his freedom next year, which would be nice. But that that is interesting when you consider that Minnesota – that qualifying offer is 125 percent of the 3.9 million that he made last year so uh, almost five million dollars which is fairly large for a qualifying offer for that type of player coming off a second rounder and i think that's a good move for the wolves even though they have of course their own tax concerns and we'll see whether that enables them to re-sign him uh but with bielitsa's capital they're basically right at the tax so far and you'd think with Butler and Towns potentially having extensions coming forward that will likely put them into the tax, especially with Wiggins under contract as well, at least for the time being. That since they're right on the borderline, it would really behoove them to stay out of the tax this year. So, but I, I do think that's the right move. He's he's a good player, an underutilized one for this Minnesota team. So I, I would actually like to see him go somewhere else where he could play a lot more and play as a, as a stretch four and you know get thirty minutes a game and, and run some more pick and rolls. You know, would love to see him, say, in Utah or something like that. But you still would think, hey, if someone wants to make a full mid-level exception offer to Bielitsa and Utah would be in a position to do that, that the Wolves would have to swallow pretty hard before they match that one.
1: Right. We'll just have to see what the market bears out with him. And it gives Minnesota some control. And as long as if something else comes up, my assumption has been that if they want to stay under the tax, they have to choose between Bielitsa and somebody for the mid-level. But they still have the flexibility to make that choice.
0: So now... The bigger news, Thaddeus Young has opted in to his $3.9 million. In the mock-off season, he opted out. We almost kind of did it just as an experiment to see what he would get. And it didn't go well for him. He ended up kind of lucky just because the Lakers didn't get any free agents. They just had all this extra money, and they ended up kind of giving him almost a goodwill $15 million offer for one year. They, really, no one made any kind of a long-term offer. For him, I thought that he's very undervalued, but and at age 30, this is normally a time when you would want to opt out, lock in for a longer-term deal, but it was really difficult to see where that would be coming from for him. So he is now in. Where does that leave the Pacers cap-wise?
1: So the band that they're working with now is narrower than before because now they have Thaddeus Young there. I would put it at between 20 million and 36 million, depending on what they do with Collison and Bogdanovich. I think they will be on the lower side of that end, more around 20 million because, you know, Collison 2 million of his 10 is guaranteed. Bogdanovich 1.5 million of his 10.5 million, both with early decision dates. We're going to be hearing in the next couple of days. I expect those guys to both come back. So that's still 20 million can get you a long way. It can't do quite as much as we did in the, in the mock-off season, but, I still think the Pacers can make some noise this year. The big question with them is how are they going to approach this versus the possibility of going harder in 2019 when they could have up to about 60 million in space? And I think 60 million is kind of just unwieldy. It's too much to really work with for a team that would never expect to get two max guys. So maybe you spend about that 20 million to bring in somebody on a contract you're happy with moving forward, but you're not as aggressive with it because you know that that player is going to, if you sign somebody for multiple years, is going to be a part of your books for the long term.
0: Yeah, and I would be focusing for sure on trying to get guys in on value, long-term contracts this year. We're assuming here that they are waving and stretching Al Jefferson to to get to that amount you were talking about?
1: Actually, that's just waving him, not stretching him. So it could be a little bit, it could be closer to 23 if you want to include the stretch.
0: Yeah, so if you throw in the roster minimums then they have nine players under contract we assume they wave and stretch Al jefferson i've got got them doing that then gr3 he was under contract for the moon they actually have full bird rights on him so you'd think they'd want to keep him around because his cap hold is so low they can pay him more than that they've got aaron holiday obviously they drafted at 23 i'm going to assume that they move on from joe young and uh ike anibogu Another guy they could keep around. That doesn't cost them that much. Alex Poitras, the guy as well. Those guys are all making the minimum. Just depends on whether they need every penny. But to me, if they every penny that they can create gets them to $19.8 million, that is not enough. I don't think for an offer sheet that's rumored to, to Aaron Gordon, maybe in a sign and trade that gets there. But I think Gordon wants to make more than that anyway. But perhaps what this means, and the fact that it got leaked that they might be looking for Aaron Gordon is maybe that could mean Thaddeus Young would be on the move now that he's opted in, and they would open up more space for Gordon that way. If there was a team that wanted to just take Young into space, I'm not sure who that would be, though.
1: Well, it could also be Corey Joseph, who's on a much smaller contract. They could clear some money that way. But then
0: they would really have a hole at backup point guard, too. I think Joseph actually isn't on a terrible value deal himself.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they could go with Aaron Holiday if they think he's ready to step in. You know, it's imperfect. But if if, they, if that margin mattered, I think they could they could squeeze it a couple different ways. Well,
0: okay, so we'll talk about a Gordon offer sheet. I don't think that what they have right now is enough. I also think that, you know, as happened in the mock-off season, maybe the best way to do it is to just engage in side and trade talks with the Magic. I don't, I'm not sure how, with the Magic being in a situation where the regime there now is not who drafted him. And they have Jonathan Isaac, who plays his position. I don't know. I don't see those guys playing together much, really, that maybe the Magic would be willing for the right enticement to move on from Gordon. And then it's just a question of how much would the offer need to be? Uh, Maybe if it were a sign and trade involved, then they could involve someone like Corey Joseph, who would probably actually start for the Magic. Uh, and send Gordon back that's an interesting idea and then you wouldn't need as much cap space to give Gordon you know the 22 million or so a year that he probably would require uh what else do we need to talk about with these
1: guys well so we've talked about Aaron Gordon as being an option i would say that with so much uncertain on their roster outside of Victor ladipo and potentially Miles Turner we should also mention that he is extension eligible sort of like Porzingis he has a low cap hold 10.2 million, yeah. so it's even lower because he fell further in that same draft. I don't expect to see an extension there, but so then when you're sitting there as Pacers, it's like, okay, how does a player fit in with this? So I would say their biggest need is small forward in the long term. That's such a hard position to find, but it's tough to get somebody this year. There just isn't much of a supply. You know, maybe they could get in on Ariza or something, but I think he's a little bit too old for for the youth in this core. So sort of like the Knicks, but just with more functionality, you're looking at pieces that you're happier on your team this year to a point, but also next year and moving moving beyond. And I think they will really have the opportunity to, to get those players this year, especially now that it might end up where they end up with more, you know, not quite a max, but enough space to, to maybe give even more than one guy, more than the middle-level exception. That could put them in a really good spot for more of the kind of Will Bartons of the world or even something I've toyed with with the Pacers is if they felt comfortable that Oladipo is going to be the guy running their offense, that they could even get somebody like KCP or Avery Bradley who does a good job defending ones but can't run an offense. And maybe you put them next to him and go with kind of a dynamic defensive backcourt where the assignments change depending on the opponent.
0: Yeah, that that would be pretty nice to get one more really good defensive guard in there instead of darren colson who really can be taken advantage of there always seems to be this oh he's not a true point guard victor oladipo it's like well darren colson isn't a true point guard either like Corey joseph isn't so amazing and you know it'd be nice to have someone who just at least maybe you just don't want oladipo bringing the ball up every time you know just to take a little load off him but i mean i don't know why that's any different than James Harden or every other normal point guard so I I I would very heavily consider that approach for them going forward and 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 that's another thing to think about here right Danny is okay Darren Collison is making 10 million this year right uh his guarantee date is July 1st so he has 2 million guaranteed Bogdanovich has 1.5 million guaranteed wouldn't you rather offer that 10 million and see if you could get like an Avery Bradley type instead. I mean, isn't he just so much better of a player than Collison? And now Bradley might say, "Well, I'm not going to sign for 10 million for a long term deal because I think I can get back out of the market last next year." And my uh, because of last year's injuries, uh, my market is depressed. And maybe with Collison, since it doesn't guarantee until July 1st they might have the ability to get a pretty decent idea of what might be out there in lieu of him. Whereas for Bogdanovich, that becomes a little bit more difficult with his guarantee date being uh, June 29th. But I still, I I just don't think that Bogdanovich is such a valuable player. I think that this is one of these ones where, oh, we played so well, then we took the, uh, we were uh, this unexpected success and we took Cleveland to seven in the first round and we played pretty well in the playoffs. Oh, we were so close. We could have been right there. And that just leads you to be conservative in terms of bringing these guys back instead of, yeah, you know what? All right. You might lose Darren Collison. You might lose Boyan Badanovich. Those guys were available for incredibly, uh, I shouldn't say incredibly cheap, but for relatively fungible contracts with non guarantees in the second year for a reason in what was a better free agent market last year. I mean, did those guys play so incredibly well that it's like, oh, they're going to get way more now uh, if you lose them or equivalent players? I, I don't think so. So, uh, If I had any chance of moving Oladipo to point guard and getting a two where it's really much better. I mean, they could even look at J.J. Redick if Philly ends up uh, signing someone else instead. You mentioned Barton. You mentioned Evans. Those guys, to me, are all better players than Bogdanovich, and they're all better players than Collison. And I think you could get those players for similar money. Uh, Rudy Gay is someone else maybe they could look at, too. Uh, Wayne Ellington is someone that that they could look at, who I think would help them a fair amount. I mean, really, the only reason to Boyan played like a little bit better defense than expected on LeBron James in the playoffs, but we don't even know if LeBron's going to be in the East anymore. So I really, uh, and both Collison and Bogdanovich are a little bit older. They probably played a little bit better than expected last year, especially with the three point shooting. They just move on from those guys, but uh, it doesn't appear like that necessarily is going to be in the plan.
1: Something else that I want to throw out there just because I think it's a worthy point to consider for both their front office and for us is Miles Turner, a player I've been high on for a long time, but I don't know that he's necessarily like the center of their future. And if the opportunity presents itself to get somebody else who's good, maybe you consider that they already have Sabonis there. I mean, it didn't look like they lost too much of a step when Turner was out a player who has value, but defensively real limitations that are concerning well, wow, I, so I can't believe I can't you're saying this about Miles Turner. You were like higher on him than anybody. I had him I had him, I think, third or fourth in that class. And that doesn't mean you trade him or anything like that. It's just there is a, a threshold which I think teams are way too reluctant on, where it's like they're good enough to keep them around, but they're but they're not good enough to preclude you from looking at other options. And I think teams don't spend enough time looking at other options. And when we see how strong the center market is right now. I mean, you had all the guys that went in the draft, a bunch of different capable players, both on the restricted market and the unrestricted market this year. I haven't spent too much time looking at 2019 yet in terms of centers. But if you can find somebody that that you think is a better answer to the question or it can be a part of it, like what if Derek Favors is just cheap? And for whatever reason, Derek Favors is available at a price that you're happy with. I wouldn't say, oh, we have Miles Turner. We can't sign Derek Favors, whether he's a power forward, a center, or whatever long term. Just go after a guy if you think they're good.
0: Yeah, Turner still has the upside. I would probably wouldn't be quite as aggressive about it as you were just talking about. Obviously, you listen on everybody. But I think as a guy who wants to be there, he was drafted by the organization. His shooting has really been blossoming. Maybe he can get better defensively. I wouldn't be too aggressive extending him. You know, I'm not interested in paying him $20 million a year right now, maybe. And, and then if he blows up and he has that low cap hold and he's worth a $20 million contract, that's a good problem to have as opposed to just proactively paying him that. I, I very much see them overpaying him in an extension. I hope that they don't do that. So we, we've talked about some of the guys that they could be interested in. What would your offer be to GR3? He is unrestricted, although... he he missed most of last year at that ankle injury. He does have some three and D potential still, although I was pretty unimpressed with where his defense was last year. I mean, he's, he's athletic. so like, Oh, three and D, but then, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't actually execute and stop people. It's becomes less interesting, but still at only age 24 mock off season, he got something like three years, 9 million. And with the idea that you can keep his low cap hold on the books, is that an offer that you would be willing to make to him?
1: I'd probably go a little lower than that. unless it was a situation where we're, we really need him on the team and that capital provides some value. I was think, but but the idea of the third year, you know, bringing, bringing some mitigation, and they're actually, they could front load that contract if they wanted to, just to make it a little bit more manageable in that final year. It doesn't make a difference on the middle year if it's a three-year deal. But I, I'm, in, I th- th- that's not too far off. I, I was thinking more like three seven or three eight. So then we're, we're really splitting hairs there. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, I think
0: that there's also talk that they would be willing to bring back Lance Stevenson who I think could be useful as someone who can handle the ball defend his position reasonably well he's 27 they did decline his team option as we talked about earlier but that doesn't preclude them from bringing him back his cap hold is pretty big and you know you're thinking of him more as the minimum or two or three million type of guy I mean obviously they weren't too interested in paying him for but they've got the flexibility I don't know how in demand Lance is going to be elsewhere I mean they really in terms of team needs you know it'd be great to have someone to take Stevenson's role who's actually just better than him that's what they're talking about with Evans and Barton and then the other thing is that four of the future they've got Young for this year but they might want to bring in somebody else would you give any thought to maybe an offer sheet for Jabari Parker if Aaron Gordon didn't work out it seems like their money might go a little bit further with him uh but obviously he's got the injury concerns uh but I think he's someone who could at least give them that second dynamic score with the ball in their hands
1: i would worry about the defense of him and turner together i mean especially because both of those guys are bad rebounders even though you think oh they could they could be better than they are with their physical gifts they just get moved around a lot that would be a big problem but some of that depends on what kind of team the pacers want to be if they want to have that real you know conference finalist upside then you probably don't put those guys together but if you're cool being in that you know, win a round, maybe even win two rounds in the right year, but probably not compete seriously for a championship. I mean, you could do a lot worse than Jabari Parker, especially when you consider that he is a distressed asset right now with the injuries that he's gone through and his immense physical talent.
0: Doug McDermott, who is not a restricted free agent anymore, he's the type of player, he's not as good defensively as Bogdanovich, which is scary to think about, although he might be better as a help defender, but he's worse one-on-one than Bogdanovich. But Doug McDermott isn't going to take $10 million, right? So, And I think he could be a pretty good replacement for Bogdanovich for cheaper. And then hopefully you would have someone else who could be a starting three. Maybe their thought is with Bogdanovich is just, hey, we better guarantee him because there's just, we can't replace this guy at the three. We just won't have anybody there. Uh, And he is technically a three, even if he's one of the worst defensive threes that's out there. Uh, So maybe that's a thought as well. Uh, in keeping him I, I agree more with keeping him maybe than Collison but Collison they can figure out what the opportunity cost is there more easily I also would be interested in again that lower end restricted free agent market we're talking about Travion Graham David Nawab, I think Patrick McCaw could be a very interesting fit on this team Uh, and they've got enough cap space that they could make an offer to him that I doubt that the Warriors would match and he could maybe grow into this core. I mean, the, the beauty of this team right now is just how young they are with Old Depot at 25. Turner, I think it's 23 right now. They've got Sabonis. They don't really have any needs in terms of traditional bigs. So it's just filling in some more wings. Uh, and that's all they really need at this point. And maybe at the four, you know, if you're thinking that Young won't be sticking around us past this.
1: Anything else you think we definitely need to talk about with them?
0: And I, I'm just fascinated by their offseason overall. There's just so much potential here. And it's a great season to, to have money, especially if they could move on from Collison and get up to 30 million I and mean, they could add maybe two or three pieces that could be a part of this team long-term. I and mean, that would be pretty nice or one Aaron Gordon or Jabari Parker. And then they actually wouldn't even be a terrible Rodney hood destination potentially either. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm really excited yeah, to see what can, they do. They can... I'm just scared. It's probably going to disappoint us.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. And they just have an unusual amount of, of flexibility. Like the the amount of money that they can spend this year is just it's different, and I'm always excited about that because teams could use it to their advantage, especially this year. You talked about that, and so yeah. Bielita could be another just, guy just, for them too. Sure, certainly. I mean, he he could make some sense. Another guy who can move the ball well and just be a part of the rotation, not a central cog. Yeah, I'd be very excited to see him. Should I plug a couple of things?
0: Yeah, I mean, this has been a a monster here. So yeah, let's. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. we got it all done though.
1: It is good to do that. So for Real GM Radio, I talked with Rob Mahoney. We did it a little bit different. We didn't talk about predict stuff. We've both done that in plenty of places, including right here. But we talked about where we want to see players go. So we talked about the high-end guys like LeBron and Paul George, but also you know a couple of good fits for, for lower tier guys. We ended up talking about Derek Favors for a while for whatever reason. For Real GM, you mentioned it before. I wrote a piece about where the mock-off season kind of taught me things about the mechanics of how this is going to work you know, years versus dollars, which teams have money, how they might be approaching it. I thought that was was an interesting kind of thought process to go through. And so I wrote that, you know, in the I think it was a couple of hours after that happened. And then we also for Patreon subscribers, we are doing the uh mailbag that will be coming out probably between now and when our next dunked on airs. And also for those who want to listen on Stitcher Premium, you and I did something pretty cool there too.
0: Yeah, that was fun. We went back and looked at the injuries that most changed the nba specifically uh, injuries that changed champions that really changed playoffs uh, try to get back to some of these people forget a lot of these ones when it just seems like whoever the champion was was inevitable but you know for every champion that experiences good luck there's the bad luck of the injuries that, that helped them get there so that was really interesting to discuss we went to uh, about an hour 20 on some of those biggest injuries in nba history that really affected things and gave them ratings for how big of a deal they were. So that was a lot of fun. And I think our next broadcast, unless something major happens is going to be on Saturday night, unless just no signings happen. And then maybe it'll be Sunday night, but Saturday night is of course uh, 9 PM Pacific when free agency kicks off. So we'll plan on talking to y'all at that point till then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely
1: not a problem Breezes, uh, you did it You stumped this charming devil